topic for today is religion versus spirituality. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of confusion in contemporary times where people conflate the two. Yeah. Everyone is trying to be spiritual. And like, I feel like I've seen that my whole life through the, uh, the new age movement, but I guess it, it dates back, I'll say to the age of Aquarius, which Mm -hmm. happened in the seventies before we were born. But yeah, even though the age of Aquarius is a 500 year long shift, yeah, that, and it and the know. shift began. Well, I mean, the shift began depending on how you want to say it began. There's no official line, so it's between. It's a shift. Yeah, it's like between <laughs> now and a hundred years from now, right. or a hundred years ago. I mean, how, the song's nice though. It is, you know, it really gets in touch with uh, the inner <laughs> spirit there. Um, Absolutely, I think the song should be the official starting point. When that, yeah, yeah. When we look back historically, the, the Age of Aquarius song, yeah. Age of Aquarius. <laughs> and I don't want any copyright issues, but yeah, I, I think that should be the point when it was when it well, not just recorded, but actually published officially, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and more maybe even broadcast. You know, when people could listen to it for the first time. It makes sense. First, it's it's going to be an arbitrary date, right? Absolutely. That seems like the perfect one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a big problem with spirituality. Like you were mentioning that they, you know, they get conflated, or, or yeah, or people are like, well, you know, they're just different things in the sense that you have to do yoga and meditate to be spiritual mm-hmm. and to be religious. You know, it does, it isn't about that. Where you know, th- these are false differences. There, and I think. Real spirituality is is really just finding finding a deeper meaning in the things that you do um, that goes beyond the mundane, mm-hmm. beyond just the the basic science of it. Uh, not that science is anti spiritual necessarily. Spiritual people might claim that. But... Absolutely. Well, and and it's come to that point. I think. It's really sad that it's come to that point. And it really hurts people's spirituality today. And I'll always be on the book saying that I personally believe that a healthy spiritual understanding of life is, is going to be important for a lot of people. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. ahead and say everybody. I very well might be. I don't know. But I do know that it's a lot possible, of people... There's, there's a lot of people. <laughs> absolutely. And, and and we run the gamut. You know, like there you've got people that don't want to put on their pants without deeper deeper meaning and something to drive them and and mm-hmm. other people never think twice about that stuff they're so systematic about their life you know you you get a job because you do this you know yeah. i want to have kids and then I, I want the kids to grow up and somehow they do it without ever thinking it seems about like the meaning of life or what it means to die at the end and i'm amazed yeah. by it i love it uh, I don't understand it at all. I can't relate. I, I no, I, we've been questioning things the whole time. Absolutely, so. you know, and and I have a deep seated desire to find meaning in some of the stuff I do, which I think is what led me in in the more religious route. Mm-hmm. Um, also, 
the fact that I wanted to be able to share my spirituality with other people. And I think that's also an important distinction is that spirituality can be amazingly unique and personal, while religion by default tends to fit certain guidelines so that it's something that can be experienced by groups of people. Not that spirituality can't be, but oftentimes the truth is you can find a mystic that's lived in a cave for 20 years by himself and this did happen historically there there was a cave uh, that somebody found and it was decorated for a specific like river goddess um, that pretty much nobody would know the name but this hermit lived there and his whole was life Greek? Uh, yeah he was a, he was a Greek uh, I think probably out in the the countryside uh, you know out in pan country mm-hmm. but his whole life was just dedicated to being a hermit in a cave, dedicated to this river spirit uh, who wouldn't have been any kind of major god that anybody would have ever talked about. I think that's very spiritual, but as far as sticking it in an organized or any kind of religious sense, is harder to do. I mean, the truth is, mystics that live in caves are hard to talk to. It's hard to share. I think they do find insights. But I also think that... Absolutely, but... Yeah. If they never share those insights... <laughs> well, and they... they like that, that hermit in particular, it seems like nobody met him in life. Certainly. It was, well, it was almost like discovering the, the Paleolithic cave paintings. <laughs> Basically, right? Like, they're, there's something. There's a message there. They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're spiritual. There's, you, can, you can maybe feel it. He's the equivalent of, like, that hardcore nerd that's been writing his fantasy book for like 30 years and he's developed his Uh own language and his own world. And he talks about it all the time or she does. I have a good friend and actually she fits this perfectly, but I'm not trying to make fun (laughs) of her in any way. Talk for hours of these stories from that world, but considering they never actually wrote the book and nobody else knows it, they end up being stories of basically nonsense that that no normal person can follow in any meaningful way because there's no context right and that's i mean i was i was developing a world like that for much of like my teenage years like i always had thought of you know staging a novel there but Mm -hmm. the the enjoyment for me really was like building a world and yeah um it might have been before our friendship but when in middle school we we played some role-playing games and i remember and i would create stories from that world that so a few of my my middle school friends got to experience this world (laughs) that only otherwise existed in my head yeah i found a map of that actually oh wow it has because it has it, it integrated stuff from uh the, the mud that we used to play as well as the mm. stories that I wrote and so I understand that and like that was, there was detail there and there was also like areas where I'd I'd named something and I was like going to return to it and I was going to build the culture for this other country and anyway that's a that's a tangent but uh, absolutely you know it but it gets it, a point across and that mm-hmm. mystics who go off on spirituality by themselves find amazing things and they move forward in their spiritual practice. But the difference is they can't talk to anybody about it. They have trouble sharing any of these ideas that 
they've they've journeyed deep into themselves and brought back because they're not speaking the same language as anybody else. You know, nobody has any context for what they're saying. And I think that that's what like, religion does in some ways, is creates context, it creates language. Um, or as I always say, it's like learning music theory and being able to share a song with somebody. Like, if we don't both know the same Western music theory, if you, if you come from a Carnotic background in India, I'm going to have no ability to write a song down and you to play it you know yes and religion is is trying to organize spirituality in such a way that it can be shared with other people but the truth is i don't think there's even in music like the way that we write music in the western world is not the best way it's not the most efficient way there's other ways to do it hardcore music theory nerds have come up with other ways they don't catch on because nobody else knows it yeah you could learn that your whole life and talk we about could definitely how great. create new and better ways absolutely but if they don't catch on or if the way that exists kind of does the job it's unlikely that we'll do that now and i think religion is is a lot like that there's never going to be one religion like one size fits all and uh that becomes problematic because part of the tenet of several religions is someday everybody right. alive is going to have to follow this together. Yeah, or else. Well, and so you're left saying, well, some people, no matter how hard we try, just won't catch on. So then that alive part becomes very important. And sometimes <laughs> you have people that want to change people from being alive to not alive. Because they don't follow their religious beliefs, which mm -hmm. is silly and and just nonsensical in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess it makes a certain kind of insane sense, but it's, it's hard because it would make sense if you believed deeply at your core that it made sense that either you save someone by bringing them into the fold or you save them by... <laughs> Stopping them from holding back progress or something? I don't, right. I don't know. It is, I mean, religion can be a dangerous thing. Like, no one can argue with that. And that's, I guess that's that's why we want to explore this. Um, Absolutely. But I was, I was thinking, you know, we, we jumped right in. You know, this is an interesting topic, but I feel like we might want to step back and, like, define what is spirituality, what is religion, and maybe even what is mysticism, because... Mm -hmm. absolutely not it's a lot of people of a... come from that background because they're all you know we, like I, we said in the beginning people conflate them but they are related mm -hmm. you know at one point in my life i probably would have said that i'm spiritual but not religious and there are plenty of people who are religious not spiritual they, they follow the letter of the law absolutely they, they attend the church or temple they 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 follow the religious rules but they don't to me, I would say, I mean, we, I didn't look this up, so I don't, I don't know if a dictionary definition would necessarily help, but to me, spirituality is, is feeling that, that oneness, that, that biophilia, that, mm -hmm. that connection with the world. And I think it's possible to achieve, to, to have spiritual practice without religion. And, you know, it's one of the things we're, we're sort of trying to develop, but it's, it's, 
religion also can make it so simple to achieve that spiritual progress. It definitely but, can. But what is what is spiritual or what does religion do differently than spirituality? I would I would ask. And I would say, in my opinion, and, and again, this is just off the cuff, because if we go to Oxford English Dictionary or something, it's going to give us a particular definition of religion from a Western culture. And I'm hoping this will be a little broader, but encompass more uh, mm -hmm. to match people coming from all kinds of backgrounds. Because if you're, you know, if you live in the some Pacific Island tribe, you know, whatever the Oxford English Dictionary says may not apply. But I would say that personally, I think religion attempts to codify a mm -hmm. belief system, a spiritual belief system, almost exclusively. I would say there's some bizarre exceptions to that. Uh, the Unitarian Universalists specifically mm -hmm. really aren't trying to codify a spiritual belief system, but a belief system still. Although I'm not sure that it's spiritual necessarily, uh, or all aspects of it are, are necessarily spiritual. Some parts probably definitely are. Right, in the, in the Unitarian, and also to be differentiated from classical Unitarianism, which is more of a Christian doctrine, mm -hmm. but a, a liberal one. But Unitarian Universalist, is, it's almost like a pan-religious movement. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And, and I think you know, very humanist. If you events I've attended, it's like, maybe we'll talk about Buddhism today. Maybe we'll talk about Islam. Maybe we'll have a Christian sermon or we'll do a meditation. And it is very interesting because I feel like, and I, I you know, I admit I had some experience with Unitarians when I was younger, but never, never joined. And it's been years, but they seem to be very community focused, like community first spirituality and religion second so they're they welcome everyone into the fold it's very admirable mm -hmm. yeah the reverend bickle i think his name is up here in bellingham he uh he does a good job and, I, and i've talked to him and been at some events that he's done or or ones that we both spoke at great man i love hearing you know the unitarian take on spirituality in general or or you know interfaith stuff i think they're really strong on as you would expect, I mean, mm -hmm. they, they spend most of their time educating themselves on other spiritual practices and spiritual beliefs, trying, I think, to find the wisdom in each one. But yeah, I think that that's the number one thing, because not all religions have deities in them. Not all religions are, are something that holds any recognition to any other religion, particularly. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're a Taoist sort of or something. Isolates. Yeah, yeah. If you're a Taoist, like if you were if you were raised Catholic or something, you would have a hard time recognizing some of the things that they do as being spiritual. Um, or, or I, I've noticed this in some comparative studies classes I've taken on religion, or even just basic Eastern religion classes where you try and come up with a handful of, well, what are the core things you want to know about each religion? And even then, in, in small parts of the world, you find ones that are just so off the cuff they don't fit. It's hard to tell if they even think about, like, what happens when you die, for instance. So it, it's, it's pretty interesting. But I think codifying a spiritual belief system is, is pretty key because the, mm -hmm. I, the only way a religion works is if there's more than one follower. Right. Yeah. Your spiritual practice is 
it's your own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's what you know. For for me, it's what I've cobbled together with some yoga. I'm starting to explore the tantra. There's a little pagan. There's there's a little bit of Christianity, and mm-hmm. and it's sort of like things that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. But if I were to write that down and organize it and create a pamphlet that someone else could read and be like, oh, I'm going to follow Shane's philosophy, then it's starting on the path toward religion. Absolutely. When it's just Although, you in your apartment, it's going to be hard to go get religious status. People have tried. But sure. I feel like there's also, you, you might move from spirituality to a cult to mm-hmm. a religion absolutely and cult cult has a lot of negative connotations because modern cults tend to be very i don't know centered on some charismatic yes guru and but the kool-aid comes out sometimes mm-hmm. and it only needs to come out a few times to be like don't drink the kool-aid yeah you know and doomsday cults are frightening sure and a lot of these a lot of these they, they, they turn into sex cults and it's, yeah. un, it's unfortunate because a cult is really a group of, of spiritual practitioners mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe with a leader maybe not yeah uh who are getting together and you know figuring out what this practice means you know how Absolutely. building it from a spiritual practice into something with a legacy and in my humble opinion a religion is just a successful cult, a cult yeah. that expanded and, and has lasting power. Yeah, especially if you're going by you know a more academic definition, I think mm-hmm. that's right on. If you're going by like a mainstream, what's a cult and what isn't? Uh, definitely, there's groups out there that are you know they have categories for this behaviors to look out for. If your leader yeah. is telling you not to contact your family, uh, if they're not in the cult. You know, you're probably mm-hmm. in a cult. Um, right. And little things like that. If it's isolating yourself. And that's that's that cult of personality. And I feel like, you know, and there, and there, there likely is uh, a clear definite or a clear delineation between just a, a, a cult being like an experimental religion and a cult of personality or a sex cult or a Tuesday sure. cult. But in academia, you know, when they're talking about people that worship say the goddess isis in rome like in the you know the the golden ass or something right that was the cult of isis and just meaning a group of religious practitioners with a codified belief system focused around the goddess isis maybe they had leaders maybe they didn't maybe they had a council you know um most likely there was some governing body but i think that that's not probably necessary but certainly if we're to use the term loosely and and not try and bring too many negative connotations in there you know in heaven's gate which is certainly (laughs) weird i mean no hail bob yeah i've never looked at nikes the same way you know ever since i was i was a kid and followed that on the news and i generally believe people should be okay to do what they want but yeah obviously then this stuff like that happens and you're like well no I, I guess we can't make a blanket statement about that anymore. Nope. But certainly, you know, and these things don't always start out as doomsday cults. Maybe they start out as, as groups of friends and then they turn into a sex cult and then they turn into a doomsday cult, you know, because the leader gets cancer and wants everybody yeah. to go with them. 
Who knows? Yeah. And we also brought up mysticism, too. And that's a fun one. And and something that gets thrown around a lot, but can apply different ways in different situations. And I think in this one, I want to point out, although a lot of people probably know this, not everybody does, that, that most major religions have a mystical practice. Right. That exists within There is that. a strain of mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, uh, and in, in a throwing out a, a definition, the mysticism for a religion is sort of like the, the R&D. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, it's where people are bringing their, you know, the spirituality and the changes over time, you know, if a religion is absolutely a thousand, two thousand years old. I mean, this is, I see, you know, Catholicism has been pretty success, more successful than a lot of Protestant religions in adapting, which is strange because, like, they're the oldest. They're the stodgy one. Well, Protestantism broke away. Well, early on, you know, the the Catholics stamped out a lot of mystical practices and mystics in the religion. Uh, one of my favorites of all time kind of comes from the early days of the Catholic uh, religion uh, origin. And some of his writings were just amazing, you know, and I, I wouldn't call him a Gnostic, uh, mm-hmm. but it was but during that same period. Like Christian mystics. Yeah, to, in a strange way, up. but definitely there, there were a mystical tradition that existed inside Christianity, a very weird one. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, you try to explain it to people and it's just like, this is a, this is a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, calling God the the demiurge and talking about the yeah. goddess Sophia who gave birth to him, and I mean, very particular belief system. Kind of heretical in some circles. Oh, certainly. Yeah, they they got stomped out pretty good. Uh, and, and what exists, you can't always trust because, again, the winners often write history, and so what always. we, although <laughs> oddly enough, when we found like the Nag Hammadi codexes or something about Gnostics. They kind of verified what the people that were fighting against uh, Gnosticism actually said. It's like, no, I guess they really did believe that. Everybody just thought that guy was a jerk. Um, but no, that, like it's right here in writing. Um, but I think there was a lot of Greek thought at that point. And so what we consider Christianity today was still being codified by things like mystics. And one one person's heretic is another person's mystic. And right. yeah, those were the guys, the men and women that went inside of themselves and, and looked for answers and tried to apply those answers outside to, to everything. But, but they were believers, you know, mm-hmm. of the religion. You know, they didn't. The Gnostics are, are, they're not actually the best example because no, but they were they were divergent. So how about ways. like Sufis? You know, Sufis are much better. They yeah. they never denied Islam. They they were bad, like labeled as heretical, and sure. they've they've struggled because they're, but they're not a they're not a, a new branch of Islam. They're not you know comparable to Sunni and Shia, and they're not trying to pull people in necessarily in. Uh, proselytize and stuff the way a religion does mm-hmm. you know they were they were um yeah oh, it'll come <laughs> to me. subversive okay yeah they, sure. because they embraced movement and dance mm-hmm. 
yeah. um, which is pretty uncommon in both major strains of Islam. And Christianity uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any branch of uh, Judaism, really. Right. Abrahamic religions, dance isn't a big part of it. No, and in fact, it's frowned on most of the yeah. time. And, and, and Sufism, like the whirling, the dervishes, it's not like they're just boogieing. Yeah, it's certainly. a very particular dance with very particular steps, and it is a form of worship. And it is and spiritual. Not... Mm-hmm. Meaning it and has I... it goes beyond the mundane, incorporating religious elements, sure, but, but more importantly, deeper aspects that are meant to mimic something greater than the mundane. Um, it, it, for other Hebrew religions, like we'll, we'll talk about the Kabbalah, I'm sure, all the time. At least here oh, and there. Of course, that's and that's a mystical that's tradition. The, that's the mystical tradition that first comes into my mind when I hear mystical tradition. <laughs> Absolutely, and and there's a reason because there's Christian Kabbalists, there's Jewish Kabbalists, and if you're not one of those two, you can be a Hermetic Kabbalist, uh, mm-hmm. and pretty much independent of religion. If we're to be honest, I mean, mm-hmm. you you can come from any kind of background and be a Hermetic Kabbalist. So you've got three people practicing a, a mystical tradition from different religious backgrounds or maybe i hesitate to say no religious background you know mm-hmm. um well beyond my my sort of quick definition of it being the rd of a religion like mysticism is sort of like trying to understand the fundamentals of the universe you know like the the tree of life is it's it's supposed to be the way the universe functions the way the universe thinks mm-hmm. and how and how things are created and the the tradition is like and we've seen this as we've started to explore with with tantra as well they're going beyond the uh brahmin religion to to explore like what created the gods mm-hmm you know, what's the divine source of creation? How does creation function beyond yeah. the uh, the conscious level? Like, you know, God is, you know, it's not really embraced by, by Christianity, but it's embraced by me. Like God is the, the conscious level, the conscious vibration of creation. You know, we have this divine light, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the unity. And then like, if there's a if there's a god that is a separate being that is you know maybe it is like zeus on his throne with a thunderbolt that's clearly like at least at a level of understanding that is below a, a metaphor yeah. for beyond the divine creation and even even the greeks looked at it like that it's it, like yeah <laughs> and a lot of religions you know they they will start with the primordial powers that aren't really gods you can get to know right yeah exactly that's the good way of, of they're not a thing that is even remotely one that makes sense and you see this going all the way back uh mesopotamia for instance you had uh the highest god people didn't worship him because he didn't he barely saw people he didn't know anything about him it wasn't even and then yeah you get into uh but but his son was like the supreme sky god absolutely the the ones below i mean even in in egypt you know like people might have worshipped ra a lot but 
really it was like Horus and, and the children of Ra that, that really took the forefront of, of worship mm-hmm. because it was just seen. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and if we think about it in a three-dimensional kind of way where you've got a god in space, so say you're Greek and you've got old knight, or you've got mm-hmm. Ra who's carrying the sun through the far-off sky, or Anu, or El, if we want to get all Canaanite. Like, <laughs> you've got these deities that are so far away and so unrelatable that it doesn't do a lot of good to reach out to them. And they really mm-hmm. exist as metaphors to explain how the the deities that you pray to or that you personify are the ones that were born out of something unknowable and people that really explore that unknowableness i always see as mystics um and i think indian fortune's book on kabbalah the mystical kabbalah she she does it a little differently so she says that uh she wouldn't see a kabbalist as a mystic Mm -hmm. but she would see somebody like i started with that living in a cave is a mystic Somebody that like really looks inside themselves or focuses on one specific thing. And she she always thought that the two worked hand in hand in the sense that you've got she would see mystics as people who like reach into the dark and pull up secrets and understandings that they virtually are unable to explain to anyone else. While people like Kabbalists are more like spiritual scientists that mm. are working piece by piece and trying to be able to show their work at the end of the day so to speak right and say this is how i got here so they here. develop a tree of life absolutely with, with specific yeah. pathways <laughs> but I, I i still at the end of the day would always call a kabbalist being part of a mystical tradition because i think that still is mysticism in the sense that mm-hmm. you're trying to reach beyond deity in some way even you know, and I yeah. think that that's by definition makes it a little more than a basic religion. Um, but again, you know, again, we could look these up and we could we could say them, but I'm not sure how much real utility that would be because they're still coming from a particular viewpoint or just mm-hmm. they'll be so otherwise are so broad that they can apply to almost any religion, even if it's mystical and, and vice versa. And what we really want to do is explore how we're going to use these terms going forward. Uh, we'll revisit some of this, but the truth is... But spirituality, mysticism, and religion are, are core terms mm-hmm. for this integrated path, whatever it is that we're exploring. Yeah, yeah. That's... And if, if you're trying to create this everyday sacred philosophy where you know you get up and you have your morning practice... You have your 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 daily ablutions and your and your meditations. That's your that's a spiritual practice, and but it might not be tied to your religion. It might not, you know, pray to God as you brush your teeth, but you might make that experience where you're in there, you know, brushing your teeth and shaving, and, and make that so it's it's part of your 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 awareness. Certainly, not just not just this unconscious routine. And and I would say. It's definitely okay to combine it with religion. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably give examples from our own, you know, religious practices. Like I'm a priest, I'm going to I'm going to talk about paganism sometimes. But <laughs> but my hope is that people 
if they have a religion that's important to them, can tie it themselves to their religion if that's what they want to do. That they can make that bridge um, and find a way for it to fit in their framework of belief and 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 their thoughts about deity and, and so on. Um, but also, just like the best way I can say it is, is just like it's always good to do good things for the people in your life. That includes doing something nice once in a while for you, you know, because you're a person in your life. And, and I think when it comes to your spiritual practice, it shouldn't all just be for whatever God or gods that you have. Some mm -hmm. of it should be for yourself, uh, to spend time honoring yourself as a person uh, and acknowledging the things that you've done um, that that you're proud of, that anybody should be proud of. Hopefully, I don't know. I, there's all kinds of people. That's, maybe that's part of what divides spirituality and religion, you know? Religion is maybe more that that worship and that gratitude for creation, however you however you define it, that that miracle that created this world and that brought you into life. Mm -hmm. And and spirituality might include that, but it also is like the self care, like you said. Like you know, when I when I do my my morning, my daily rites and my meditation and when I when I sit in silence and just tune out for a minute, that's that's not me worshiping. That's me grounding and me taking a moment for myself that is not, you know, not for my work and not for anyone else in my life that is trying to build that fulfillment. And that makes my religious practice, it improves it. Because, you know, when I am giving gratitude to the universe or when I am involved in a ritual, like a group ritual, if I'm grounded and if I'm taking care of myself and if I have that spiritual balance, I will be more involved. I won't be worrying about my anxieties that come up. I won't be thinking about what it is I need to do tomorrow or the bills that I have to pay because I've taken the time in my own life to ensure that, A, I'm, you know, crossing my T's and dotting my I's and paying my bills, mm -hmm. but also that I'm grounded and then I'm not caught in my head because personally, like I love to get caught in my head. It takes a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. To not get caught in my head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so easy if you don't take that time. I feel like we're in a cycle of like looking towards the future so often. And, uh, you know, now, now I'm getting near 40 and stuff uh in age and at at some point years ago it dawned on me i keep thinking about the future as as if it's a thing you know that has a clear goal but really the future's happened over and over again i <laughs> you know you always think your life will start later when you're done with school or or then when you're really in your career or when you own your own property and you're developing it and maybe you have a commune on there i don't know yeah but when you keep just looking forward you forget like oh wait like no actually i'm i am living the future that i 
the the version of the future that I thought of ten years ago, I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. And I always imagined enjoying myself then. But yes. I'm still thinking about enjoying my future. Oh, and that's such a trap. Absolutely. Especially for our like modern American mind and Oh, it shocked me. You know, I was I like, talk about it all day, but I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to be thinking about the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with the uh, auspicious nature of this day. <laughs> well, you know, and, and not to get dark, but I think that's one of the things that if you live your whole life like that, and then all of a sudden you find out you're going to die or you might die, it just slaps you in the face. You're like, oh, but what about the future? You know? <laughs> Like I'm still waiting for the future. Yeah, I, I, I've got to. I'm. I can't enjoy myself yet. I've got to get to the future, and now the future's <laughs> not coming. I didn't enjoy myself, even though you did enjoy yourself. You loved your life. You just didn't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. You, di- you didn't take time to appreciate that you were liking your life in the moment, and that yeah, sitting on the couch with your cat is a pretty good evening. You know, I mean, it, it feels good. It ain't bad. Yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying my little glass of whiskey. Exactly. <laughs> and I think spirituality does that too, you know, where it, it and, and you were touching on this, absolutely. Like it slows you down and mm-hmm. that's not even religion, right? I mean, that's a spiritual yeah. practice of, of slowing down the moment and being present in the moment. Um, Presence is so difficult. Yeah. And it seems kind of ethereal because it's like, well, of course we're always present in the moment. But and again, we can't we're, be anywhere else. But I think everybody knows what we're talking about when we talk about thinking about the future as this amorphous time. Like it's going to come, but when it does come, we're and you're still looking at the future. You don't even know it. You know, it creeps up on you. And and I think spirituality is one of the only things that can bring you back mm-hmm. and remind you to appreciate the now. And I think, yeah, pres- presence is is a major part of spirituality because it doesn't matter what religion you are in, you belong to. And, and this is why, you know, we, we want to develop this, this, this everyday sacred, this spiritual practice that is, we will acknowledge our religion because we want to acknowledge our biases, but mm-hmm. that daily practice to keep yourself present would benefit just about anyone pretty actually it would benefit anyone even the even i would i would go out on a limb and say that yeah there's no one it's not going to benefit in some way right. uh, if you can listen at all if you can think if you're not in just a coma and mm-hmm. or something or an unborn baby yeah. you know in because... some way so i mean why don't we put some of the cards on the table here as much as we can and talk about what we do hope that that this this thing we want to do. This ongoing experiment. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and we're trying to be the pioneers and, and you know, explore it ourselves. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll get some listeners that want to give it a try. I mean, I would say right away what I'm just hoping for is that we can come up with a spiritual practice that will give people benefits regardless of their religion, as you said. Mm-hmm. Or even if you in the middle of your life you change religion or or maybe you become an atheist or something right and that can be devastating like and i've i have it's generally happens earlier in life but it can happen later i have i've had a number of friends who were really raised heavily religious Mm -hmm. 
they they didn't question anything and then sometime in their in their teen years of their early adult life they lost their religion yeah and like it's it's hard because i was essentially raised agnostic to be to be perfectly honest Mm -hmm. like we got religious around the holidays but i think that's becoming more common certainly more people are being raised agnostic and Mm -hmm. but that has its own problems right so if you're from a religious background the bottom of the world can drop out it's terrible exactly if you're raised agnostic though you're never i've met a lot of people that were just never sure what their spirituality was based on you know like it never had a foundation to begin with yeah and so they they and i think that can be an issue too because Mm -hmm. but if if whether you lose your religion because you have this realization that you know i don't know your religion has lied to you sure your your priests can be abusive or or they're yeah. or they're taking advantage they're building or, or my mother fortune. said i'd go blind if i touched myself and i did and it didn't happen yeah and now and I, that was the first question yeah i really like <laughs> touching myself or or maybe i like boys and and i was always raised to think i was gonna go to hell and die if i if i That's was a boy and i sought out boys. so so important so maybe you grew to a point where you couldn't identify with your religion you know mm-hmm. and and if you don't, if you lose that religious practice, that going to church, praying, um, yeah, I think having whatever, a strong... whatever that is, if you have a spiritual foundation, if you, if you know that, if you meditate every day, if you eat certain foods to keep your energies up, if you if you do certain workouts and you bring a spirituality to it. Then, if you question your fundamental beliefs about about the nature of God and the universe, you will still remain grounded and present. And you may decide to become an atheist. There's plenty of spiritual atheists. It's an interesting, it's an interesting mm-hmm. thing. But or you may discover another religion. You may marry into a religion. Mm-hmm. It's very common. And this this foundation, and I, I want to think of it as like a practical spirituality, where if you are if you are religious it it's reciprocal you know you know that this divine presence comes from god or comes from uh the buddha or comes from whatever you believe and if you're not it it doesn't matter but if you have that if you if you have jesus in your life and you have a daily spiritual practice then part of that daily spiritual practice will be expressing gratitude to Jesus and to to the God that that you worship yeah. once a week and in church, Absolutely. and you might include prayer as part of your spiritual practice, which is, you know, I I, I was. It's I've always been a little a little critical because I wasn't in the fold of, of Christianity, but I feel like just prayer isn't quite enough. Sure. It's, I think it's a wonderful practice, and I think more people, even outside of Christianity, would benefit from some form of, of, of that concentrated. It yeah. feels like a focused meditation. Can but... I ask you a personal question? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll do that from time to time. <laughs> when was a time you remember praying? doesn't have to be the last time. <laughs> but when was, you know... I mean, because my, my understanding of prayer was was sort of limited to the idea of reaching out to God and asking for something. Sure, sure. I mean, 
become that I for have so a, many. Speci- a very specific memory of like I believe my family we were like locked out of our car and I and I prayed because I was probably eight or nine years old mm-hmm. and like I sat down and I and I lowered my head into my hands and I prayed that we would figure something out that, that like something would happen and then um a few minutes later we like found the keys where they'd fallen out of our pocket but in the parking lot like they were you didn't, okay yeah they were they were close and i was like oh and i felt that that rush of gratitude and mm-hmm. i was like you know i can't take credit for it but the, the feeling was there especially <laughs> at that age of course where i'm like i prayed for this and it happened yeah immediately it's a good feeling and it always stuck with me <laughs> yeah absolutely i uh i i'm more religious you know and so mm-hmm. It might not be a stretch to say that that there's a certain amount of prayer every day. Although I'm pagan, and so what Christian people might consider prayer and what I might consider prayer might be a little different. Uh, So, again, we just got to be careful with our definitions. Um, You know, I'll I'll talk crap about a lot of religions at the end of the day, but I, I really hope that no one's too turned off by any particular background here or anything. I, I really want people to be comfortable from any religious walk mm-hmm. of life because especially at this point in my life, you know, I, I identify more than ever and, and I've got some good Christian friends and met some some good priests and stuff that I've I've conversed with and talked to. But and my 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 criticisms and problems with Christianity have always been with not with Christianity itself. More with the organized body behind it in certain mm-hmm. cir- circumstances. And, and with and with those inside who I consider charlatans, which is a, a great title within Christianity that I think is underused. <laughs> sure. That that are that are using Christianity to maintain power and to for personal for their personal benefit, you know, to live in a mansion and have a private helicopter or to abuse children or to flat out going on television and say God's going to kill me unless you donate a certain amount of money. I mean, yeah. that's happened more than once. And in, in I've world seen of so much of that in my life. And that unfortunately taints my view of, of Christianity as a whole. But I, I also like many of my family members are Christian and I have some good Christian friends and they are some of the most loving, generous people that I know. Mm hmm. And I think at and, its core, it's an attempt to create loving, generous people. Mm-hmm. And I really respect that, of course. And that's, um, it's just, it's more a criticism of, of power structures and of power maintaining itself, you know. Sure. Those in power will do anything they can to maintain their power. And we also, you know, again, I see this a lot where I see people that are, are Christian or at least, you know, describe themselves as very Christian. And they're, they're, some of them don't have any kind of spirituality. And I think no matter what, hands down, that's not good for you. Like it's not, I think it, it's it's a mistake to be strongly religious without spirituality. Mm-hmm. In the sense that your connection to your religion should be spiritual. Like you should be able to apply that to your life. And I, And I know some pretty lost people out there. I mean, that will, will fully admit to being lost. And they're like, you know, when when things aren't good, I'll go to the scripture. Uh, I know a guy that lectured me for 
you know, half an hour about the right way to worship Jesus. And I know the dude, like he was stoned when he did it. Um, if I asked him what the first commandment was, I know he couldn't give me the answer. And it's, it's like, you got to get in touch with, you've got to be able to, to project your religion, whatever it is into your life and live and step with that, with your beliefs. Because if you can't do that in any way, then you're, you've got a bunch of like strong feelings about things that I'm not a psychiatrist and I don't like to jump onto the pop psychology thing, but it's a good way to end up yelling about yelling at people for shortcomings that you're experiencing in your own life. Oh yeah. You know, because you're Projection. out of touch. Yeah. And, and fully just, just giving people in your life crap because you feel that deficit. And I'm hoping that this can give people a way, an outlet into their lives for their religion, if that's what they want. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's, that's, I think that's the real intent. That's, and that's, I, I'll call it practical spirituality. It's, it's a set mm -hmm. of, you know, this, this podcast is, is our exploration. You know, we, I would love to see us do specific episodes on religions and then on movements within the religion. Like if we do an Islam unit, we would go into the history and the, the schism between Shia and Sunni and the, the minor groups and Sufism, um, as well as uh, the, like the Baha'i, mm -hmm. which is no longer part of Islam, but was originally uh, an offshoot. Absolutely. To my understanding. And I could be wrong. Like I, I part of, you know, what excites me about this project is the research. Like, both of us are just natural, like, comparative religion nerds. Yeah. <laughs> have been as far back as I can remember. Yeah, before we met. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, and fresh out of middle school, early high school, we're talking about Buddhism and, you know, Zoroastrianism or, or what have you. And it's really... It's a driving force in my life. I, I'm not going to lie. And I, I do find a lot of like wisdom in other spiritual paths. I mean, like I said, mm -hmm. I, I'm a priest in, of Wicca and I do a lot of community stuff. I'm still kind of diving into to like the Tantra, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm very, very compelled by that. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm, I'm at a point where I'm looking into some heightened practice whether that's becoming a, a priest or some kind of teacher but mm -hmm. more dedicated where i've i've danced around it a lot but as we've as we've started this project you know i, I feel that urge to go a little deeper yeah and realizing that there are teachers and there's a community here in seattle mm -hmm. it, it's it's definitely nice to have the support and, and the structure that religion will give you and, that, and i don't think for me personally you know dogma is not not a big driving force and 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 it's hard for me to relate to heavily dogmatic practices personally uh, i know for other people they like that it gives them a stability that they yeah, need the comfort, for comfort yeah and i have a lot of that it's it's funny like outside of my spiritual life i I'm very dependent on structure. Like if I, if I don't have good structure in, in work and in projects, like mm -hmm. I might spin my wheels. 
Sure. But in, in my spiritual religious practice, like the exploration is what keeps me interested. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. And I can totally understand because most of my life I'm like, no, I want strict boundaries and rules and deadlines and expectations. Mm-hmm. Or I might, well, honestly, what I might end up doing is going and spending my whole day researching some <laughs> spirituality. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I can be pretty black and white when it comes to a lot of things. And, and I do take comfort in that, you know. I The way I live my life is basically research something until I can figure out what's right and wrong. And But deep down, you know, I try to, I'm always trying to push that uh, very few things are black and white. And, and very few mm-hmm. things are one size fits all. And very few things are are 100% this or 100% that, you know, they're all shades of gray and you've got to find your way to live in those, but it's complicated and and it's hard. And, you know, it's, it, it's a lifetime effort. And I think spirituality is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like fool anyone into thinking this will be the easy way or that spirituality is something that, that really comes to you overnight. If you find yourself thinking you've mastered spirituality, especially a few months in, that's a clear sign to step back for a second and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm I'm enjoying my successes, but I'm still yeah. just got my feet wet. And, you know, maybe this isn't as simple as it feels like it is right now. Um, good advice in a lot of situations, but it happens in spirituality. I mean, I, I can tell you that I, I've seen so many people that they get into a new belief system or find a new way or maybe make some breakthrough in their, their Kabbalistic practice. And all of a sudden it's like they've been immediately. Yeah. It's like, I'm in touch with my Holy guardian angel and I can tell anybody how it is. You find them two years later and they're, they're back at square one, you know? And, and I think that's important to keep in mind is a certain amount of humility. And even though it might feel like, You've got all the answers figured out. How many times has that honestly happened in all our lives? I, I always like to think, mm-hmm. you know, like look at a 19-year-old and they feel like they've got everything figured out or a 17-year-old. Uh, I was <laughs> on top of it when I was 17. Yeah, I knew exactly what I was going to do. We knew. <laughs> well, that was when our friendship really like solidified and we knew how we were going to mm-hmm. take over the world at 17, like, yeah. literally. That's hilarious. Absolutely. You find somebody <laughs> at 25 and they're like, man, there's a like a lot. I've got to get like <laughs> health insurance or something. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how that works. I'm like, supposed to get a job. Where did come from? Absolutely. Yeah. I applied for this job today and I need it because I need experience. But they told me I can't have it until I have more experience. Like, figure that out. Yeah. yeah. And that's only gotten worse. Exactly. That That's called navigating real life. Yeah. And and it always rears its ugly head. And and it will in spirituality just like anything else. I mean, there'll be times where you've got feel like you've got a firm handle on things and then maybe maybe you go through a divorce or maybe something tragic happens in your life and all of a sudden you, you feel like you don't have any idea what you're doing. Or um, you just eat something you're allergic to and feel sick. For... Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, end up in bed for a week. Yeah, with... I just threw my neck out. Yeah. Possibly because of my daily rights. <laughs> Who knows? Who could say? Yep. And that's the thing. I, again, that's where this, this idea of the practice comes in. 
Um, doing practice something is the regularly. Best word for it. Yeah. It is always a practice till the day you die. <laughs> it's something that you do. It's not something that you sit on the couch and figure out. It's something that you physically do. You yes, you active. commit to, and and you put the work in. And that's where you get benefits because, you know, ideas come and go and belief systems come and go. Some you carry with you forever. Some mm-hmm. fall off and you don't even know when. And and we do have epiphanies throughout our lives, you know, and yeah. some of them are Hopefully. very profound. And some of them may change the course of your life forever. Some of them may be fleeting. They may not. They might feel like a, a grand spiritual experience. And a few weeks later... Yeah. You know, your perspective changes. And it, it, it always will. We, we're aging. Our relationships are changing. We still have, we still inhabit this physical body. So yeah. our spirituality cannot overcome that. <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole, you know, laundry list of flaws that I'm still working out. The, the problem is there's probably more I don't know about than do know yeah. about. Um, it's, like, it's like our understanding of the universe. The more we learn, the more mm-hmm. we realize we don't know. Yeah. So as our knowledge expands, the gap in our knowledge expands twice as fast. <laughs> Absolutely. So the shadow work never quite catches up, you know. But but that doesn't matter because working forward worth it. does get you further slowly but surely. And and we we're, it's our hope that this practice will do the same in people's lives. Because I really think again when we can, when it gets down to it, I think almost anybody can benefit from a spiritual practice. Um, not everybody needs needs it, maybe, but there's probably some some level of benefit to everyone, and uh, you know that's really where we're gonna go with a lot of this. We are building a spirituality. Yes, <laughs> regardless of your religion, you know, and if you want to jump on the train and and take a ride, then you know it's free. You're getting what you paid for. <laughs> Hopefully yes. more. Um, but if you want to support us... <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we'll figure that out eventually. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some answers further down the road. For now, this is just something that... Honestly, I think we can both say we just feel called to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing it for ourselves, sure. But in this crazy time of division and uncertainty... I mean, I think everybody can use it. And it, and it costs me very little to share... Mm-hmm this with other people if they get anything out of it it'll be worth it and yeah uh, i think spirituality and religion's given me a lot and has a lot more i hope it can give and i'm looking forward to that you know we're seekers when it comes down to it it. yeah we're just looking we believe our audience is you know our intended audience is, is seekers as well we're we're never satisfied with ourselves we're never satisfied with the answers we've found. We always looking for more, and it doesn't always have to be deep. No, you know. But if you've ever you've stayed up your life late into the night, wondering what it all means, or or you get that nagging feeling in the back of your mind that that all this is somehow related, but you're not quite sure how. Yeah, how do you draw the lines? You know, you know when you when you put up all your chalkboards and your whiteboards and your apartment and you're drawing strings <laughs> from one thing to the other and you've got, you know, your pictures of Jesus and your pictures of Buddha and yeah. and your pictures of 
of a yogi and you're and you're like how is it all there's something there i can feel it yeah we all can it's this deep knowledge within our beings absolutely and that's driven us since we were we were young teenagers and we have some answers i think i like to think (laughs) Uh, we have a lot of questions, questions, I would say. Sure, we certainly, we have more questions. more questions than ever, uh, certainly. And But if you relate in any way to that, then this is for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And we won't tell you what's right or wrong, but we'll tell you the answers that we found and how we got mm-hmm. there and try to show our work as best as we can. And we hope to be building a community. Yeah. You know, we want, as seekers, we... We aren't claiming, you know, to be the ones with all the answers. No. And that's why I will I will call myself a seeker. I will call my audience seekers as long as this podcast lasts. Yeah. Because it's not about the destination. It really is. Like it's the journey your life is a journey. You know, if you're if you're obsessed with the destination, then all you're thinking about is the day you die. And uh mm-hmm. we've seen how that goes time and time again. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah, (laughs) it's great to kind of share this. And uh, hopefully it'll be one of these episodes that creates a foundation for what we're trying to do moving forward. So take care, everyone. Stay safe. And and we'll talk to you again. The music you just heard is Spring by Ixon Music. You can find more at Ixon Music.